It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I so appreciate each and every one of you joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, Jen, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve. Uh, yes, that would be wonderful Wednesday. <laughs> yes, it would because be. Because it's you know, like it's like our uh, friend who's missing in action always tells us it's uh, hump day. It is hump day. Yes, it is. And uh, my gosh, the weeks go by so quickly. Can't believe we're into May already, but we are. Um, but uh, check out our website. That's KimMunson.com. We have the recaps of our shows there. And what you do is just click on the picture. Jack, uh, Zach always does a, a great image. And click on the picture. It'll bring up a summary of the show uh, and also the podcast. And that way you can go and listen to all of that. So that's at Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And sign up for the weekly newsletter there. That way you will get first look at all of our upcoming guests, our most recent essays, our most recent podcasts. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And Steve, we haven't done a podcast in a while with us adding in the second hour. That has taken a a lot of uh, focus. And uh, so the podcasts are good, but we haven't done one of those in a little while. But the essays, uh, we are keeping those updated on a regular basis. And thank you to all of you who support us. Because we are an independent voice, we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or livelihood. And force comes in a lot of different ways, but it can be a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or all of these policies that the Davos elites uh, um, have in mind for us. And uh, so remember that socialism is not about free stuff. That is just the carrot to get people to vote for it. Socialism is a very bad idea, and so ultimately it has to come down to force. Uh, So let's go over to our quote for today, and it's Albert Einstein. And he was a German-born theoretical a physicist widely acknowledged to be one of the greatest and most influential physicists of all time. Uh, he's best known for developing the theory of relativity, but he also made important contributions to the development of the theory of quantum mechanics. He was born in 1879, and he died in 1955. And producer Steve, as I was thinking about quotes, I, I was looking for quotes about hope. And this came up, and just think about that. Though born in 1879, he died in 1955. Uh, during that time, there was the Great Depression. Uh, there's World War One, World War Two, the Great Depression. Think about just all the things that he went through, and uh, because I think we we look at what's happening right now, 
in our world, and we're thinking that we've that humankind's never gone through some of this stuff before. So that's why history is so important, Steve. You're stealing my thunder here because I had to tell you, I was going to warn you right up front that this one, this quote, and I'll let you read it here in a second, made me laugh out loud, and I'll explain that once you read it. Okay. Learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is to not stop questioning. All right. It's that last part that made me laugh. How many times in the last two years have we heard the people admonishing, the power players say, don't question the science? Ah. That's the part that made me laugh. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Here we have one of the most famous scientists of all all time say, say uh, great, great connecting the dots. I hadn't done that. The important thing is to not stop questioning. And when you have those that say the science is settled, don't question, that means we need to double down on the questioning, I think, Producer Steve. Well, there was a great meme you know, circulating out there. And again, they're still, uh, quite frankly, they steal from the works of Charles Schultz, the guy who created Peanuts. So it was one of his characters saying, don't question the science. Questioning science is the way you do science. <laughs> That's exactly right. So we have to wonder what is actually really going on there. And we've got several different uh, headlines that I think are important. So, But let's go to our bill of the day to begin with. And it is um, Senate Bill 22238. The primary sponsors are, it's bipartisan, Senator Chris Hansen, Democrat, Bob Rankin, Republican, Representatives Mike Weissman, Democrat, and Patrick Neville, Republican. And it's concerning reductions in real property taxation for only the 2023 and 2024 property tax years. And in connection therewith, reducing the assessment rates for certain classes of non-residential property and all residential property and the amount of actual value to which the rate is applied. And I went ahead and highlighted uh, there. This came out of the Colorado Sun. It says Colorado governor lawmakers unveil plan to slash property taxes by seven hundred million to head off business groups' ballot measures. And apparently, Colorado concern uh, was um, talking about having a ballot measure that would reduce property taxes. And so there's been quite the negotiations um, on this. And it says here's how the relief work. Uh, would work. For the 2023 tax year, the residential assessment rate used to calculate how much a residential homeowner owes in property taxes would be reduced to 6.77% from 7.15%. Additionally, the first roughly $10,000 in taxable value of a residential property would be waived. Then for commercial properties, the assessment rate in 2023 would be reduced to 27.9% from 29%. Additionally, the first roughly 30000 in taxable value of commercial property would be waived. And then uh, it changes just a little bit in 2024. But Steve, you and I have talked about this. As property values increase, it's an automatic tax increase for people. And of course, with this hot real estate market here in Colorado, which I would submit to you is somewhat government-induced because under the guise of economic development, first of all, uh, we've seen different companies get tax breaks to bring their businesses or or, or incentives, tax breaks, incentives, um, to bring their companies to Colorado. 
And again, I would say let, instead, let's make sure that we have a level, level playing field across the spectrum. But that brings more people in. It, it puts more uh, demand on our resources, more demand on water. But it's also increased the price of our, our homes and our property. And while that may be exciting, if you're looking at a net worth, if you don't, you have to have a place to, to live. And the place that you live becomes more and more valuable, your taxes go up. And I'm concerned that at some point in time, this might um, make it almost unaffordable for people to live in their home. So when we talk about affordable housing, one of the first things that we do is we should permanently uh, lower property taxes, Steve, permanently. Well, you've already said, uh, what years is is this in effect, 2023 and 2024? Mm-hmm. Why don't we have the guts to make it permanent? Why this little cat and mouse game with, well, we'll just do this for two years? Right, right. And remember when the Gallagher Amendment was repealed and we uh, we were not in favor of that because it, it actually was keeping our uh, property taxes at least more in check. And uh, here we are, you know, just uh, what, a year or two later, and we're looking at significant uh, property tax increases. So... Uh, it's an election year, and uh, I also wonder if this, and not quite sure, Patty and I were talking about it yesterday, about how this is getting around the Tabor calculations, in, because it's, it looks like they're doing all kinds of gyrations to um, to get around the Tabor refunds. Um, so I, I don't know, There's, but it's. I'll say it's great, property taxes, 2023, 2024, yeah. we'll take it. But how about permanent? I agree with you. Well, and then the other thing, and maybe I've been doing this either too long or just long enough to figure out the skullduggery that's happening here. What's the name of the group? Colorado Concern. They're a nonprofit representing the state's business execs. Okay. They want to put this on the ballot uh, in November. They want to, yeah, they want to put a tax increase or tax decrease on the ballot, right? Yeah, right. But here's the governor's office and, you know, the people who, <laughs> I want to say control him, but, you know whatever phraseology you want to use there is saying, wait a minute, let's get a, let's do an end around these guys. We get the credit for it. Yes. And it's interesting that we have Republicans on this as well, but I imagine probably, um, want to have the optics of helping to, I guess probably want to have the optics of not standing in the way of tax, uh, decreases. Politics is such a yuck. I think we'll leave it at that. Okay. A couple of things I wanted to just mention. And first thing I'm going to just, this is from the Colorado Sun. And as you may remember, uh, Albert County clerk and recorder Dallas Schroeder uh, took some hard drives of his voting machines. Now, we don't know what's on those. But he has one hard drive that he had given to an unnamed attorney, and then I think he kept the other, other one. And Jenna Griswold has gone to court saying that she wants to get her hands on that. And so a judge has ordered a county clerk who copied his voting system's hard drives to turn those over to the Colorado Secretary of State by the end of the day today. And it says Griswold sued to force Albert County's clerk Dal Schroeder to turn those over. And Judge Gary Kramer ruled late Friday that Schroeder must follow her lawful orders. Now, I'm not sure those are lawful, but anyway. Kramer also ordered Schroeder to answer Griswold's questions about who has access to the copies in filings. 
and in one of a handful of cases across the United States in which authorities are investigating whether local officials directed or aided in suspected security breaches at their own election offices. And some of them expressed doubt about the results of the 2020 presidential election. And Schroeder's lawyer, John Case, declined to comment on the order on Monday. So let's just, don't you find it so interesting that Griswold is not wanting to um, be transparent? I think we all want to know what's on those hard drives. Uh, but she wants to get her hands on them. And then, of course, we have Senate Bill 153 uh, that's working its way through the legislature, uh, which is the big election voting bill that would centralize uh, the power of Colorado's elections with the Secretary of State. And you look at the policies, the, the legislation that's going through this legislature with the Democrats in control and a Democrat governor. And I've been down there testifying and at different on different bills. And many of these Democrats look like they think they'll never lose an election again. And I just have to ask why. So I'm gonna. This is gonna be really interesting, Steve, to see what happens with that. Well, I read through this when you know when you pointed it out, and uh, I'm thinking they have basically taken one issue and made two out of it. We we are questioning, and and was it Schroeder, the Elbert County guy? Yes. Uh huh. We're saying we are worried about what's inside this box. And, you know, the box being the election results, because we're not sure we we cannot uh, confirm or trust what those what's inside the box. And all Griswold wants to do is hammer anybody on the way the box is being handled. She's not concerned about what's inside. She's oh, just concerned a- about how it's being handled. And, and the the clerk and recorders uh is that the right term? Mm-hmm. Around the state, uh, you know, and obviously the, the most uh, significant one is Tina Peters. But again, it's it's what's inside the box. Do you have the guts to let us see how these Dominion voting machines have done what they've done? That's a, that's really an excellent point, Steve. Is uh, they're worried about uh, how people. Um, access the box, if you will, instead of what's inside the box. And what's inside the box is what's really important. And so Tina Peters, uh, what she has done, I I think she's a real hero for that. She's running for Colorado Secretary of State. And uh, Dallas Schroeder, um, yeah, I'd like to see what's on those hard drives. I really would. One other thing I wanted to mention, the Federalist reported here, this is from Jordan Boyd, It said, uh, let's burn this place down. The left calls for violence after the treasonous uh, Supreme Court abortion leak. And uh, we'll talk with John Eastman about that in the second hour uh, regarding the the leak, because this is unprecedented to have this ever happen like this. Um, But uh, those that uh, they resort to violence and here they are calling for violence because of this potential Supreme Court decision. And it seems like they want to get out ahead of it uh, in, in not in a good way and try to force these uh, Supreme Court justices to um, uh, not make the decision that it looks like they may be making. And this is just remarkable that there is a group of people that are willing to quote unquote burn this place down if the decision regarding abortion is moved back to the states instead of um, the uh, letting Roe v. Wade stand, so this would go back to the states, 
and that there are those that are so intent on basically killing children, which is what abortion is, that they would, quote unquote, burn this place down. So this is going to be a really interesting uh, real interesting time again here in America. And we need to pray for guidance on how to react to this and what to do. But uh, we need to make sure that we are, are standing for creation and standing for life instead of standing for destruction and death. So we'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned Remax realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. Medical freedom, patient choice, and informed consent are all staples of comprehensive health care. You'll find exactly that at Roots Medical, located in the Denver Tech Center, offering specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Functional, comprehensive primary health care. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Buying a gun alone doesn't make you safe. Recently, the team at Franktown Firearms has been working with a lot of beginners who just want to feel safe. Widows living alone who need to protect themselves. People with arthritis in their hands who may struggle to load or rack a handgun, depending on the model. Anyone can learn defensive shooting skills, and buying a gun is a great first step. But you need to know how to use it confidently. The team at Franktown Firearms encourages everyone to try out different guns on the range before purchasing. Right now, mention KLZ to receive a free hour on the range when you purchase a new firearm. Once you've purchased your firearm, the team at Franktown advises you to sign up for one of their basic training courses or one-on-one instruction so you can become completely comfortable with that particular gun. Free gun rentals are included with private training lessons. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown now. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. And I thank all of you who support us as well. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And if something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Um, I'm excited to have on the line with me Todd Watkins. He is a candidate for sheriff 
live in El Paso County. And we, uh, as candidates reach out to me, any candidate that reaches out to me, I will give them time on the show because I think it's important that you get to know these candidates better than just the, the sound bites and just the mailers. And, uh, so this is the, the time typically the second segment in the first hour that we'll do that. And Todd Watkins, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Kim. And uh, it was great. I met you down at the uh, state GOP assembly, the the centennial dinner. So it's uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you. So tell me, uh, first of all, why are you running for sheriff uh, for El Paso County? So I was a board for 24 years and uh, watching the uh, results of the election, money into the operation of AI, I realized our our government at the U.S. level had been usurped. It, it essentially uh, a slide hey, into... Hey, Todd, I'm going to stop you for just a moment. The connection is a little tough right now, and I want to make okay. sure that people hear every word. So I'm going to let uh, Steve, producer Steve, and you reconnect. I'll uh, talk about one headline while you're doing that because I want to have a better connection because I know that all of you want to hear exactly what Todd has to say. And while we're doing that, I'm going to just mention one other headline, which I cannot even believe. And that is, let me get to it here. Uh, and that is in Rhode Island. Here we go. This is from the Washington Examiner. In Rhode Island, there was a bill that was drafted by a group of Rhode Island state legislators, which would compel people over the age of 16 who did not get the COVID-19 vaccine to pay double taxes and a $50 fee. It was submitted early last month. It appears dead in the legislature, but it's drawn recent attention uh, on social media as uh, people are um, just expressing shock on this. This is absolutely unbelievable. And so those state legislators need to be um, uh, 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 not reelected. Let's just put it that way. So, okay. Uh, Todd Watkins, candidate for El Paso County Sheriff. Uh, Let's try this again. So uh, great to have you on the show. And why are you running for sheriff? The the sheriff is the last line of defense for our constitutional rights. And I think the echo is back, Kim. And uh, that is absolutely um, important that people understand that. What's your thoughts on then constitutional sheriffing? So the sheriff is elected by the people. That is the role in, in peacekeeping that is closest to the people, which is actually the seat of power where our government draws its authority, the consent of the government to be governed. So the sheriff has that relationship with the people who elected him or her to defend their rights, their constitutional rights. The, uh, there's no other role in government that has that level of responsibility to keep the peace, to protect people's rights. It shouldn't devolve yeah, onto the sheriff to be that last line of defense, that when the government has lost its way and oversteps the constitutional restraints that were placed on on it to to uh, keep to its, its defined roles, to its enumerated powers, and tries to continually uh, ascribe to itself powers and authorities that aren't there, the sheriff is the one that can and should uh, 
put a stop to that. You know, and that's interesting that you would say keep the peace. I I, re- I remember a time when law enforcement was actually referred to as um, um, peace officers. And keeping the peace, I think, is, uh, I, I hadn't thought about that for a long time, but that's a, that's interesting. I, and really, it, keeping the peace allows people to go after their, their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Todd Watkins, what about this red flag law that was passed here in Colorado? What's your thoughts on that? It is totally unconstitutional. Uh, at, a, at a minimum, it violates the second, fourth, fifth, and fourteenth uh, amendments. Absolutely unconstitutional and must be repudiated. Okay, uh, how can, what would you say it, about crime in El Paso County? It, it's rising. It's rising in El Paso County. It's rising everywhere. I believe the last I saw, Colorado is the uh, leading the way in car theft. So the criminal justice is uh, is a cycle. It's more than just police. It's DAs, the courts, and, and you know, of course the correctional system. So uh, police can only arrest and present for prosecution. If DAs won't take the cases, and if, if judges can dismiss cases and and uh, reduce charges and release people, we're just uh, we're creating a revolving door. Uh, legis- the legislature has also gone off the rails with. Uh, liberal justice reform and reducing felonies and misdemeanors and just adding to this problem. So we as citizens have a real responsibility about who are electing at the legislature, the DAs, and of course, Sheriff. Todd Watkins, I really appreciate the conversation today. How can people get more information about you? ToddWatkinsForSheriff.com and four is spelled out, not the number four. So it's T O. D-D-W-A-T-K-I-N-S-F-O-R-Sheriff.com, correct? Correct. Okay, that's Todd Watkins for Sheriff. Uh, And Todd, thank you so much. What's your final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners? Our government is not a spectator sport. It requires audience participation. Uh, Get the right people in the office, and we have to stay engaged to uh, protect our own liberties. The, the the founders got it right. Life, liberty, and, and property are, are inalienable rights, and we also have an inalienable right to defend those those rights. Well, uh, it sounds to me like constitutional sheriffing is uh, first and foremost with you. So, Todd Watkins, thank you so much. Thanks, Kim. Okay. And uh, on the line with us is a great sponsor of both of my shows, Lauren Levy. You know him. He is a specialist in the mortgage arena. And uh, Lauren Levy, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Kim. Uh, interest rates. Uh, it sounds like there may be something happening on the interest rate arena right now. What's going on, Lauren? Yeah, so the Fed was meeting yesterday, and they'll meet half of the day today, and around noon they'll make an announcement and they're expected to raise their uh, federal funds rate, which affects everything in people's lives. They're expected to raise it by 50 basis points today. That's and a lot. We'll see. And it is. Um, they've, they've, but they've been hinting at this for a couple of months now that they might raise 50 in May and 50 in June. So supposedly the market has prepared for this and shouldn't send too many shockwaves unless they only did a quarter or they did 75 instead. 
that would create a you know a lot of uh, issues. But we'll see when they do it today if it just rolls through normally or if it causes a lot of uh, a lot of additional pain and makes rates go higher. So you you normally recommend that we kind of watch the ten year rate to know mm-hmm. what's going on. So where's that at right now? That has been teetering around the three percent mark. Uh, it passed it day before yesterday, and then yesterday it was down about two ninety three. So um, it's been right around three, which is pretty much double where it was, you know, maybe six months ago to a year ago. So we're at the highest level in ten years since two thousand eighteen. So, um, again, not the first time rates have gone up like this since the Great Recession, and there's been some sort of trigger to make them come back down. This time, we don't know. Um, they may just continue to go up or just stay at this level. So we'll have to see what happens as the Fed is raising. So, you know, we, when we've when we worked together for a long time, and when interest rates were historically low, uh, it was it created more buying power for people so buying their homes. I know that you did a lot of refinances. So what do people do during this time? They want to buy a house. What are you helping with people or people with right now, Lauren? So there's still, in Colorado, a lot of buyers. It's a very active housing market, as everyone knows. There's still limited inventory, and we'll see if over time that changes as people's buying power goes down a little bit. But it is more important than ever to talk to someone in the lending arena before you go looking for a home to make sure that these new rates that people, you know, let's be honest, these rates have really climbed since January, so it's only been a few months. So people that were thinking about buying a home maybe in the fall of last year and are going to do it now really need to get their numbers right and make sure that they can still afford the price range they thought they were in and uh, make sure they don't get it over their head when, when they do find a house and make sure they're looking in the right price range. And that's what you can help people with, Lauren. And you've been doing this a long time, and you work with a lot of different lenders. And uh, so there's uh, you know, a wide array of, of different people to work with. How can people reach you, Lauren Levy? Uh, the best way is to call at 303-880-8881. And I want to add just one more thing, Kim. You know, with all the increased home equity now, um, on the reverse mortgage side, if your listeners are 62 years and older, they have more home equity than they've ever had. And so there might be more opportunity there on the reverse mortgage side. So if they've had thoughts about that as well, definitely give us a call. Well, and people 62 and older may be getting squeezed because of inflation and property taxes and all of this. So uh, that can make a lot of sense. And again, uh, you want to work with somebody that is a specialist in that arena. And I know that you do a lot of work there as well. And so I'd recommend people give you a call there. Uh, Lauren Levy. And again, that number is 303-880-8881, 303-880-8881. Lauren Levy, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you, Kim. Okay. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with Lisa Bennett. And uh, she's. we talk about issues in rural Colorado, rural America, um, because it seems like there's been an assault on rural America in course of the oil and gas industry. And what does that really mean for everyday Coloradans, everyday people? And uh, we're going to talk with Lisa about that regarding these policies. So stay tuned. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. 
Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's KimMunson.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And uh, thank you for supporting us. We appreciate that. I have on the line with me Lisa Bennett. And um, she's the owner of Wild Skies, which is a really, really great uh, cabin. Uh, it, where is that located exactly, Lisa? Uh, we're in north. We're in northwest Colorado, about an hour southwest of Steamboat Springs. And it's a mountain and river riverfront vacation cabin, and there's snowmobiling, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, hunting, fly fishing, horseback riding, and uh, I've seen the pictures of it. It's beautiful. But let's talk about issues, and um, let's discuss how politics manufactures events and develop policies that seem like great ideas, but in reality... They're restricting our freedoms, specifically our livelihoods. And you and I spoke a few weeks ago about the Colorado bill that uh, would restrict mountain lion hunting, and we want to address Biden's policies moves today. So what can you tell us about what this administration is doing, Lisa? Sure, and we're going to include in the Biden administration, Polis's administration as well, because both want us using electric cars, but they keep on forcing coal transmission plants to close. Where's the power to charge those vehicles going to come from? We can't replace coal electricity with renewable electrical production as quickly as we're losing it. Approximately 31 gigawatts of coal power was lost in just 2018. And electricity generation accounts for more than 90% of U.S. coal consumption. And you think that uh, things are getting better, but they're not. In 2019, coal generation fell to a 42-year low, dropping by a record 16% in that year alone. And that record low doesn't look like it's going to last for long either. I don't have the 2020 or 2021 figures yet, um, but they're going to be big. U.S. coal power generation, um, the plunges just in the first half of 2020 alone were about 30%. Biden and Polis want a complete decarbonization of the U.S. electrical supply by 2035. That means no coal at all in all electric cars. But not enough electricity to replace lost coal-produced electricity is going to be produced by the green power that they want, whether that's through wind turbines or solar. So talk about wanting your cake and eating it, too. At any rate, even if you don't own an electric car, you won't be able to charge it and drive it anywhere if we don't have these coal plants. Imagine the brownouts and blackouts in California coming to a city near you in Colorado. 
Um, it is, yeah, that's so pretty uh, ridge, amazing. Yeah. Fossil fuels isn't just about gasoline either. A lot of people think, okay, high fuel prices, that's what it's about. But fossil fuels supply 84% of the world's energy. So we're talking about natural gas in addition to propane and other things. Those fossil fuels are needed to create fertilizers too. And those fertilizers are what produce our large crop yields, especially in the United States. And fertilizers have gone up 400% in price, along with more than 100% increase in fuel costs. Farmers and ranchers can't get parts to repair their equipment either. Our farmers are planting in 2022, but mostly because a lot of them bought fuel and other staples like fertilizer that they needed for farming back in the fall of 2021 when prices weren't that high. I don't know what's going to happen come 2023. They may not be able to afford to plant, and if they don't, we're going to have more food shortages. And this is all because of public policy. And uh, Lisa Bennett, let's go to break early. It seems like um, I'd like to get the connection just a little bit better with you as well because the information that you have is so important. So we're going to go to break early and then come back with Lisa Bennett. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, the show comes to you because of great sponsors. And one of those sponsors is Kirsch Insurance Group, and they're specialists in the Medicare arena. And government's involved in Medicare. It makes it more complicated, and it's really really great to have a professional on your side of the table to help you navigate through this. And Kirsch Insurance Group is the folks that can help you with that. Uh, you can reach them at iKirsch.com. That's iKirsch.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. And it's important to have them on your side of the table. And again, they don't work with just one insurance carrier. They work with many different ones so that they can uh, give you choices. And choice is important, uh, particularly in Medicare. So again, that's iKirsch.com. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Lisa Bennett. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. And I'm talking with Lisa Bennett, and she is the owner of Wild Skies, which is this beautiful cabin uh, out. Uh, she said it's about an hour from Steamboat Springs. And uh, you can uh, uh, snowshoe, there's snowmobiling, um, cross-country skiing, hunting, fly fishing, horseback riding. Uh, just really, I think, a great place to, to check out just a little bit. And again, th that is Wild Skies Resort. I'm talking with Lisa Bennett about 
issues on rural America, our oil and gas industry. And it seems that Biden, instead of solving problems, he's creating problems, and then he's telegraphing what those problems are going to be. And he's talked about food shortages. And so, Lisa, how is the world going to handle the lack of this planting food production in Eastern Europe, coupled with decreased U.S. production, and Biden wanting 30% of our land and water to be protected What do you see as the impacts there, especially then from uh, this war in Ukraine as well? Well, if you combine the war and the fact that we're still trying to recover from a pandemic, or if you're Fauci, we're still in it. And what does that lead to, in my opinion? A financial crisis. All the things have conspired to put unprecedented stress on global food systems. Most people may not realize it, but Ukraine and Russia produce a combined total of 14% of the world's wheat and 30% of the world's wheat exports, as well as 60% of the world's sunflower oil. And these supplies are under threat, with Russia suspending food and fertilizer exports, and you do need oil to make fertilizers. The Ukrainian farmers are under stress, fighting an invading army and essentially unable to tend to their year's crops. Uh, You're looking at all of that food off the table for the world. And Russia is not exporting fertilizers or ag products. Russia is not alone in limiting its exports either. Um, According to Rob Voss, who's at the International Food Policy Research Institute, which is an institute based in D.C., as of April 12th, a total of 16 countries had banned or restricted food exports. They know they're going to need them for their people, so they're not allowing them to go out to other countries. This reduction in supply is part of what's fueling inflation. And taken together, the impacts are going to be catastrophic for some of the world's poorest and more vulnerable people, especially countries in Africa like Somalia. They rely on either Russia or Ukraine for about 50 to 100 percent of their wheat. And many countries are already saddled with pandemic debt, and they could be forced to borrow more just to subsidize staple foods for their people. So uh, we're looking at a lot of hardship around the world. But uh, I do believe that the left wants this. They don't want us using chemical fertilizers. Our ranchers and farmers have been haggled over and, and harangued in the U.S., over their use of fertilizers. Their answer, meaning the left answer, is to return to using manure. The problem is manure is not practical for crop yield, and especially if the farmers using no-till practices. And for those in your audience who aren't farmers and don't know what that means, no-till means seeds are planted directly into the ground with having to drag a farm implement to rip apart the soil to open it up so that you could put seeds in. And when you rip apart the soil to plant, you end up with what we got in the 30s, which is the dust bowl. When wind blows and you have dry temperatures, you basically erode your soil. And uh, that's just something that farmers have avoided with no-till farming, which is actually an environmentally friendly practice. So um, you not only lose your soil, but your nutrients if you have to till the land. And that's why um, we're not tilling, or at least not as much as we used to. If you apply manure to a no-till farming situation, now you end up with a different environmental problem. Nitrate nitrate loss is one thing, and then you also have phosphorus running into waterways. Both of these are environmentally bad situations. So what's environmentally better? No-till, no chemical fertilizers, Using manure but having phosphorus leak into the waterways and kill aquatic life, if manure isn't applied fairly quickly, it turns into ammonia, which is actually a good part of fertilizer. 
But when you get these hot days, which, you know, everyone's talking about climate change and um, that's a different topic, but it's still applicable here. If manure isn't applied fairly quickly, uh, you end up with 100% of that ammonia being lost due to the wind and the heat. And that's a, the valuable and beneficial part of the fertilization pro- process. So manure is also bulky and it's much, much less concentrated than the commercial fertilizers. So it's going to cost you a lot more to transport it to where you need to apply it. So you can think about the environmentalists complaining about the amount of fuel that's being consumed and the carbon emissions from farming, whereas with a bag of commercial fertilizer, you can spread it into a large area fairly easily. And current research shows that manure also can have pathogens and antibiotics from the animals it came from. And all those things can be harmful not only to our aquatic systems, but also to our soil. So if a farmer's animals have a disease or something else running through them, it comes out in the manure and that gets applied to the field and then that disease spreads. And exposure to sunlight and drying conditions on plant surfaces don't kill all pathogens. Sometimes they can still live for up to six months to a year later. So environmentalists have made the lives of farmers so difficult that it seems farmers are damned if they do and damned if they don't. And what does that really tell you? That the environmentalists really want to stop farming. They don't want farmers. And if you don't have farmers, what do you get? You get starvation and the deaths of a lot of people around the world. So now we're full circle back to population control. All these policies from higher fuel and fertilizer prices, land policies such as restricting timber harvesting, which reduces wildfires, by the way, right. to Biden's 3030 plan, which really means restricting land from being used for anything. All of that impacts our food supply. And when our food supply is impacted, lots of people die, whether it's death through starvation or malnutrition. All of this is being exacerbated by Biden's policies. Well, and Lisa, when Biden is out there telegraphing that there's going to be food shortages, instead of uh, saying this this high inflationary time and these policies are hurting people and trying to look for solutions, I think it's hard for people to actually think that there are those out there that are pushing these policies that will actually hurt people. And as you mentioned, the most vulnerable, take a look at Africa and hear what for, you know, all these years we've talked about helping people in Africa and reducing starvation. And I mean, this is pretty terrifying what you're talking about, Lisa. Uh, it, it is. And there's lots of schools of thought on it. Um, some are that in a situation like this, when other countries are so dependent on food imports that we need to consider all options on the table. And one of those options is that those countries could fell their forests and create more farmland right there in those countries and create more grain crops closer to their home markets. What would that do to the American farmer? Because how much, um, so for example, wheat, how much does the American farmer export? So we actually uh, don't export as much as you'd think. I don't have the exact figure, but I think it's somewhere around 10 14% is what we export. Uh, you have to realize we use a lot of what we grow to feed animals. And so uh, what's most at stake is steak. Around one-third of global croplands produce animal feed, and according to the World Research Institute, an environmental think tank that's based in D.C., 
humans can meet their energy needs using a lot less land if they eat fewer animal products. Uh, I don't think I want to get rid of my steak just yet. But don't forget that a lot of ranchers sold cattle last year because of drought conditions that drove up the cost of hay. They just couldn't afford to keep feeding when they would put their cattle out on pasture land. There just wasn't enough growing out there, and they had to supplement with, with hay. And hay costs were going up to sometimes 300 plus a bale to feed. So I don't see anything on the horizon that's working to bring down hay costs. So I think we're going to see a lot more cattle sold this year, and the downward spiral is not going to be corrected quickly because it's not like you can just tomorrow double your your cattle. You've you got, got to breed them. And if you have less to breed, you're going to get less uh, less calves. And another thing, too, that people think about is, well, pork, you know, pigs, they're easy to raise. But Pigs eat corn. That's primarily what they eat. And China's buying up supplies of corn like crazy. If we continue to see more drought in the U.S. and we see lower levels of corn production or more going to ethanol instead of to animals or people, um, farmers may sit out this year due to inflation and out-of-control price increases on things like fertilizer and diesel that they need to farm. So I personally favor that the crops are currently being used for ethanol production, like corn, be reverted back or converted back to either growing food crops for people or animals. Um, They say in the United States that 40% of our corn growth is used to make ethanol. So research shows that biofuels grown on croplands are not as useful in climate mitigation as they thought, so I'm all for getting ethanol out of our gas. Okay, and and, uh, we could certainly do that. It seems like redirecting that corn production to um, food production, production, if I hear you correctly. And then uh, let's unleash our oil and gas exploration, our oil and uh, gas industry, instead of shackling them, which is what's been occurring under the Biden administration. Let's go to work and and fill that energy need with our, our oil and gas industry. And, of course, this is madness. Um, Lisa Bennett, that we are uh, on track to close down our coal-fired plants. Uh, These are just, all this is policy-driven. It doesn't have to be this way, Lisa. I agree. So uh, people realize the scope of Biden's 30-30 plan. I mean, 30% of the United States equates to two sizes of Texas. So twice the size of Texas, two Texas-sized states gone. Can't do anything on it. No timber, nothing. I also don't think that many people realize that in January of 2020, Biden created the White House Office of Environmental Justice. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I think I I don't think I maybe I did realize that. But let's talk a little bit more about this 30-30 plan Uh, there. And and it seems that these um, leftist radical policies, they couch it in words that people like. And so uh, they use the word conservation, conserving the land. Tell us more about that. So according to the Heritage Foundation, about 64.5% of our country is not owned by the federal government. But what that, or I should say federal, state, or local government. But that means then that one out of three acres is owned by a government, whether that be state, local, or federal. And so according to environmental groups like Defenders of Wildlife, they still want more effort and investment by decision makers, and then the big question is who are the decision makers, um, so they can acquire a substantial, a substantial portion of the private land and make it a permanent biodiversity 
area. So in other words, it's got protections and priorities upon it, which means things like you can't drill or maybe you can't um, hunt or maybe you can't mine or you can't harvest timber. And so as the Defenders of Wildlife see it, private lands lack formal conservation designations, and they think that's critically important to addressing biodiversity and also their climate goals. In other words, you might have a great amount of federal forest somewhere, but because you've got private ranchers around that forest, they have an impact on that forest, and they're just not happy with those ranchers that butt up against federal land or those farmers. They they think that there needs to be better conservation goals. And so they want to put all sorts of limits on private property, whether that's being able to drill for oil if you've got it on your property or mine for some precious mineral. So in order to reach that 30-30 goal, the federal government wants to possess another 18% of private lands. That doesn't necessarily mean the lands have to belong to the government. It could belong to some environmental group that's not going to allow anything to happen on the land. Or it could just mean that the government ties up your land so that you can't do anything with it. Which that's been happening with these conservation easements, correct? Um, Yeah, and that's a willing thing that the landowner goes into. They know that they're going to get a tax benefit from conserving that land, and they see the value personally in doing it. And I'm not against those conservation easements if that's what a private property owner wants to do. What I'm concerned with are all of the regulations that we're placing on existing private landowners, many of which are farmers and ranchers, that make it cost prohibitive for them to continue operating or owning their land, and therefore they have to put it up for sale. And a lot of these environmental groups are snatching it up. In fact, the process has already begun in Montana with the Prairie Restoration Project. They've already purchased 73 ranches in Montana. The consequences of the government consuming up or tying another 18% of the nation are hard to even contemplate as our new or increased regulations for property owners to have land management papers explaining their management intent so the federal government can track what you're doing with your land. The government is so far behind on paperwork for leases that corporations have on federal permits for like oil and gas exploration that expanding the regulatory authority over private land or the portfolios of land management agencies seems insane. The Congressional Research Service reports that would be required would not only add to the backlog, but would prove to be a huge hurdle to overcome to do anything on your land, from building a shed to adding a road to access another part of your property. Imagine having to wait to get federal government approval to do anything or you want on your property. I mean, people in Boulder looking to get building permits think they have it bad. Now I'm talking about Boulder County with the fire that we had. Just wait for the day when the federal government gets involved, too. Oh, my gosh. Lisa, we have got to continue to shed light on this. We've got a couple of minutes left. How do you want to button this conversation up today? Well, I guess what I will say is that the next time maybe what we need to cover is how the education system and liberal nonprofits have bought not only our universities but our corporations alike. And once again, the adage always applies, follow the money. Follow the money, that's for sure. And we're going to have have you on regularly to talk about these uh, issues regarding rural Colorado, rural America, because ultimately this is going to increase prices significantly at the grocery store for everyday hardworking Americans. But if these policies continue, 
uh, it'll take away our choices. There, there may be shortages at the grocery store and, and Americans will certainly feel it. But my gosh, the people in third world countries who we have said that we want to help and, and, uh, uh feed, we don't want starving people. Um, these are just terrible policies. So I so appreciate you shedding light on, all of this, uh, Lisa Bennett, and we'll continue these conversations um, about uh, about these uh, terrible policies. And I um, I wish you a great day on this, um, Lisa. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Yes, my friends, my gosh, these policies are of such great concern. And uh, right out of the box, the uh, President Biden shut down the Keystone XL pipeline and telegraphed what they're really doing, shutting down our fossil fuels, uh, which really fuel our lives. And we have got to shed light on this. We've got to talk with our friends and our families uh, about these issues because we're taking all of these things for granted and these policies are trying to take them away. So we'll continue to shed light on this. And uh, Albert Einstein, I guess this is probably a really great quote uh, considering our conversation. He said, uh, the world will not be de- destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. So, my friends, we've got work to do. So today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for listening. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. And thank you to this team I work with. That's producers Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Echo, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve. Wonderful Wednesday, we call it. It is also Wings Day at Hooters Restaurants, and uh, you buy 20 wings, you get 10 for free, and uh, I, I in particular love their smoked wings done crispy with either the lemon pepper rub or the Texas rub on those, and so again, it's a Wednesday's Wings Day at Hooters Restaurants, so be sure and check that out. Um, Check out our website as well. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And sign up for the weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, our most recent essays, podcasts. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com. And I so appreciate all of you who support us. We're an independent voice and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea. You should not have to force people to do it, and it is never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, 
or these globalist view of how to live our lives. And uh, as you know, we, we now have two hours in hour one. Uh, which will be broadcast, rebroadcast today, 1 to 2. And then the second hour is rebroadcast 10 to 11 at night. But we talked with Lisa Bennett about the assault on rural America, our farmers, our ranchers, uh, our oil and gas industry. Tell you what, Producer Steve, I've got a knot in my stomach about what is happening here because it's going to lead to food shortages. Well, while you two were talking, I was sitting here reading the third, what is it called? 3030 plan she referenced. And right there it is in black and white. I Anybody who's hearing me right now, I said, you need to Google or whatever your search engine is, 3030 plan and dive into this. Yes. So we're going to continue to shed more and more light on this. And we've got to engage in conversations with our friends and our family and, and our colleagues. And we have got to start to get very engaged with the people that we are electing. And we need to be rolling back uh, these bureaucratic agencies, and we need to, we must fight to reclaim our American idea, Steve. Well, uh, now, now that you say that, I'm sitting here thinking, now <laughs> we have so many lists. You just read the other list about why it's not right to take away people's rights, either by this, 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 or that. We're going to start another list. The reasons we've got to perform greatly for the conservative cause in the midterms. And this 30-30 plan is, you know, just added to the list. Immigration, uh, you know, economic policies. But add this 30-30 plan to the list. Because that will lead to food shortages. And, my gosh, we've had, we've had the abundance of uh, reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant energy. And we've had uh, affordable food, abundance of food. And these policies are directly going to affect this for everyday people. It's not going to affect the um, the elites. In fact, the whole reaction to the pandemic, the elites made a lot of money. And the middle class made it through, although there's this big assault on the middle class. But it, who it really hurts is those that are trying to move up the economic ladder. That is who these policies really hurt. What? And my, it looks like they don't care, Steve. Well, what is my favorite, new favorite word? I know you know what it is. Starts with a letter M. Motivation. And it's like 30-30 plan. What is the motivation for, for something like that? And, and you and Lisa covered it. You said they'll couch it in all the right buzzwords to make it sound so, well, of course we do want to do that. And there's great danger. Great danger in that. So uh, in important hour, we'll continue to shed light on this. Let's get over here to our quote for the day from Albert Einstein. And as daunting as all this is, mankind mankind goes through all kinds of different experiences. I went to the quote for Albert Einstein. He's a German-born theoretical physicist, widely acknowledged to be one of the greatest and most influential physicists of all time. He's best known for developing the theory of relativity, but he also made important contributions to the development of the theory of quantum mechanics. He was born in 1879. He died in 1955. So think about his life. World War I, Great Depression, World War II. And this is his quote. He says, I prefer peace. Oh, no, excuse me. That's Thomas Paine. Hold on. He, uh, Einstein said, learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is to not stop questioning. And producer Steve, you had a, a great uh, comment regarding this in the first hour. <laughs> You're going to hate me. I'm sorry. There was a very urgent call here and I did not. Where are you going? Where are we at? 
Well, basically, I just did the quote for Albert Einstein. Oh. And uh, the, the last part of that was, the important thing is to not stop questioning. All right. When I first saw it this morning earlier, I kind of laughed out loud, thinking, how many times in the last two years have we been told not to question the science? And hmm. uh, here, here's one of these great scientists saying, never stop questioning. And we have got to question what is going on out there. Uh, quickly, our bill of the day. It does have bipartisan support. And I've just got to think about, there must have been a bunch of political gyrations going through this. But uh, another way people are getting squeezed is higher and higher property taxes. We knew this was going to happen with the repeal of the Gallagher Amendment. Uh, But Senate Bill 22238, uh, it's reducing property taxes uh, in 2023 and 2024. It's not permanent. Seems like if it's a good idea to reduce taxes in 2023 and 2024, it would be a good idea to just reduce them uh, permanently, but it's a step in the right direction. And the Colorado Sun says uh, that this will slash property taxes by about $700 million. Uh, and this is to head off a uh, ballot measure by uh, Colorado Concern that they were considering getting a uh, ballot measure to uh, reduce property taxes. So I'm sure that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, conversations going on about that. A couple of other things it's important that you are aware of, and one of them is that a judge, this is from the Colorado Sun, uh, judge orders Elbert County clerk to turn over the copies of the hard drives that he took of the voting machines uh, regarding the 2020 election. And uh, Jenna Griswold, current Secretary of State, wants to get her hands on those. A judge says that she can. I think we, I think we all want to know what is inside those hard drives. What Griswold is concerned about is that the hard drives were, um, that those images were taken. And we have to question why is she so concerned? And don't we, the people, aren't we to own our elections instead of Jenna Griswold? And shouldn't we be able to see what's inside the box, uh, producer Steve? Great point. Ever since this fiasco started with Griswold getting so uh, irritated or whatever word you want to use, we have been asking, this is a great opportunity because remember, the, the where was the gold standard in voting integrity? Right here. And Yeah, that's what they said. And you think she'd welcome any opportunity to show it. No, it's going the other direction. She gets rather fierce and mm-hmm. she's not afraid to jump down anybody's throat that might shed some light on what happened with those uh, voting machines. And I just have to question is if there's no there there, it seems like they'd be very transparent about what's going on. But my gosh, with Senate Bill 153, with her wanting to get her hands on this, the way that they are vilifying Tina Peters, who was doing her job. Tina Peters is running for Colorado Secretary of State. Uh, one has to ask if there's there there. So I guess we go back to Albert Einstein's quote regarding questioning. Uh, we need to be questioning what's going on. And it looks appears that uh, Jenna Griswold says we don't want any questions about what's been going on. So um, uh, let's go to break here. Before we do that, though, uh, a charity, a, a nonprofit that I really support is the U.S. MC Memorial Foundation and uh, Paula Searles and that whole team is working to raise money to remodel the Memorial Foundation, the Marine Memorial Foundation, the Marine Memorial out at Colfax and Sixth Avenue. 
And my friends, as we look at this American idea, we need to know the stories of the men and women who were willing to put their lives on the line or did lose their lives in doing so, so that we could live in freedom. And this is American, Amer- uh, this fabulous American idea. And so I would recommend that you go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org and donate, or you can buy a brick for one of the walkways that they're they're putting in, and there will be a, a walkway of all the branches of military service to honor your loved one that way. And it's a wonderful gift for Mother's Day. Father's Day is coming up. would highly recommend that. And again, that is USMCMemorialFoundation.org. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation with um, Professor John Eastman about the lawsuit here in Colorado uh, to have Republicans vote in Republican primaries and Democrats vote in Democrat party primaries. Very important. So we'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Franktown Firearms owns their name and their word. They never compromise on their beliefs. They never go back on a promise, and they run their gun range the same way. Family-operated and family-friendly, Franktown Firearms doesn't answer to a corporate office. For multiple generations in business on the same property, they believe in the power of a handshake. Their team has fought to keep their range completely independent so they can go to sleep at night knowing they did it their way. Nobody would call this crew politically correct, but they treat their clients of all ages with respect and decency. They know you work hard for your money, too, so they count it an honor when you spend it with them. Stop in today and mention KLZ to get half off the initiation fee on any membership type and get access to the range after hours. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show, and be sure and check out our website. That's KimMunson.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And uh, thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And socialism is not about free stuff. The free stuff is just the carrot to get people to vote for socialism. Socialism is such a bad idea that it has to come down to force. But I'm really excited to have on the line with me John Eastman. He's a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute and also at the Claremont Institute, the director of the public interest law firm at the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence. John Eastman, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Kim, for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. 
well, there's so much going on right now, John. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to talk with you about is the lawsuit here in Colorado to uh, have Democrats vote in Democrat primaries and Republicans vote in Republican primaries. Uh, right now in Colorado, we have what's called an open primary system where, because of the mail-in ballots, Democrats will receive a Democrat primary ballot. Republicans will receive a Republican primary ballot. Unaffiliateds will receive both, and they can vote in either Democrat or Republican, only one of them. But... I mean, ideally, it it makes sense that Democrats vote in Democrat primaries and Republicans vote in Republican primaries, and you have a lawsuit to try to make that happen. Where are we at on that? Well, um, the uh, this Republican Party State Central Committee last September voted unanimously to authorize a lawsuit challenging the open primary laws unconstitutional. It infringes on the political parties and its members' freedom of association. And the Supreme Court has so held in a case a couple of decades ago called California Democrat Party versus Jones, um, said that political parties are private associations and they have the right to decide for themselves uh, who are members of the association and particularly important, who gets to decide who's going to be the standard bearers for that association. Um, you know, the thing that, you know, is exercised most saliently at the moment of choosing a political party's nominee. And the Supreme Court has also held that the state can't require political parties to limit their primaries to only their members, but neither can they um, require that they allow other people to participate in their nomination process as well. And that's what the open primary does. So the state central committee authorized unanimously a lawsuit challenging it, and they authorized the suit to be brought by the party, its members, or both. And after after the party uh, officers uh, declined to bring the lawsuit uh, on their own for various reasons, uh, several of the Central Committee members, uh, as well as several candidates for federal office, uh, filed the lawsuit, retained my firm and Randy Corcoran's firm uh, to bring the lawsuit on their behalf. Um, the judge dismissed the suit a couple of weeks ago, saying that it's not the party itself, the members don't have the, the standing to bring that suit. Uh, we think that was erroneous, um, but but because we were so close to the primary, um, we, even if we appealed that decision, we were not going to get a decision in time to affect the June 2022 primary. So we're now working on um, um, convincing the state party leadership to do what its membership universally, uni- uniformly, unanimously uh, authorized, which is to join us in the lawsuit. Um, to protect the constitutional rights of the party and its members, to decide for themselves who the party nominee is going to be. Well, what would that look like exactly then to, when you say state party leadership to join this? Um, what would that look like? Who Who is the person that would make that decision? Well, you know, I mean, that's one of the disputes under the bylaws. The Central Committee has controlling authority uh, over decisions of the party. But the bylaws also give, you know, implementing authority to the chairman of the party. Um, And, uh, you know, so uh, we think the we think the resolution that unanimously authorized the suit was sufficient. Um, The judge disagreed. And so uh, we're now uh, trying to um, uh, make sure we have the added piece that the judge seems to think was necessary, which is the party itself rather than its members bringing the suit. 
So then that would mean the decision would be with the party chair. Is that correct? That's correct. And I would suggest to this party chair to um, refuse to implement something that was unanimously adopted by your membership probably means you're not long for that position. So we're hopeful that uh, uh, that she will uh, take the steps necessary to implement the, the unanimous resolution of this party central committee, which is the governing body of the organization. But as of this point, there's a federal uh, civil procedure rule. Uh, we, it all, most often comes up in dealing with corporate uh, structure and governance. It's called a shareholder derivative suit. The owners of a corporation are the shareholders, and their officers are delegates exercising the power from the shareholders. And when the officers are not exercising that power properly on behalf of the corporation, the shareholders can sue the directors, called the shareholder derivative suit. Well, that same rule applies to nonprofit associations. When the officers of the association are not implementing policies directed by the governing body of the association, and in this case, that's the state central committee, um, then the shareholders, the members of the state central committee, can file a suit naming the officers for breach of their duties to the corporation, or in this case, the, the non-unincorporated uh, association. So those those are the those are the tools we have at our disposal to kind of force the issue. We think it's extremely important because what's going on in Colorado, um, as, as going on in Wyoming and a number of other states that have, have gone the path of these open primary laws, is that uh, people who are not deliberately choosing not to become part of the political party, not to associate with it, are weighing in to influence the party's decision. That's a core breach of freedom of association rights as specified by the Supreme Court. Um, and, you know, Colorado thinks that it got around that clear constitutional requirement by giving an opt-out provision. But the opt-out provision is a farce. It requires three-quarters vote of the entire membership, and it doesn't allow the entire membership to even have a, a primary of only Republican voters. It, it basically forces them to choose by convention or assembly caucus in other words, under the guise of saying we want to increase voter turnout, they're forcing the Republican Party to either have a primary election where non-affiliated voters are determining your nominee or don't have a primary election at all. Just, you know, have the political party activists choose your nominee. Um, and, and they're not given the option that everybody preferred, which is a primary limited to all Republican voters. Um, and so those are the, the basis of the constitutional challenge. And we remain in the view that we're on very solid ground on that constitutional challenge uh, once we uh, get over uh, what I think is an erroneous hurdle imposed by the judge, but nevertheless imposed. And that is that the members themselves don't have standing. you got to have the party itself. Well, John Eastman, it seems like a no-brainer to me that if the Central Committee voted unanimously for this lawsuit and the judge comes back and says that basically the party leader needs to be part of this lawsuit, it seems like that should have been done yesterday, that she should have done that yesterday. Um, Any ideas why that has not happened yet? She She should have done it back in September. Um, back back at the time the resolution was adopted unanimously and when we were still uh, eight months away from the primary election. Um, but they didn't. And so uh, individual members of the party who had voted for the unanimously passed resolution 
decided to proceed on their own, as the resolution authorized them to do. Um, but uh, the judge disagreed, and so that's where we are at the moment. Um, so, okay. you know, unfortunately now, as of April 29th, um, the ballot designations were finalized. Um, the uh, overseas military ballots have to go out uh, here in the next uh, week or 10 days. And so we're too late to have an, uh, be able to put the constitutional rule back in place for June. Um, but that doesn't mean we ought to stop the effort. The effort is extremely important. The constitutionally protected freedom of association is extremely important. And, uh, and we intend to, to continue to pursue the litigation um, uh, in order to vindicate that constitutional right of party membership. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you the subjective question, which is super difficult, but uh, before we go to break, but the question is, any idea why the uh, state GOP chair would not uh, be all over this and, and as you say, uh, have actually um, supported it uh, by being part of it back in the autumn? Do you have any idea why? Yeah, you'll, you'll have to ask Ms. Burton Brown that question. I, I, I don't know. It's inexplicable to me. Um, I thought we have a very solid case. Uh, you know, there's some issues about costs. The litigation is costly. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, I run a public interest law firm, so we're providing our legal services at fairly discounted rates. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and how much, how much, uh, you know, how much is it worth to vindicate the constitutional rights of the party? Rather than, I mean, what we're talking about, there was, you know, one, we made it as an exhibit to our complaint. Um, there's actually a significant effort uh, to enlist unaffiliated voters to basically swamp in the Republican primary to defeat in the primary uh, members of Congress that the unaffiliated voters, leftists, don't like. Uh, and they're and they're even encouraging Democrats to uh, drop their Democrat registration to be unaffiliated for the upcoming election in order to further impact who the Republicans choose as the nominee. And, you know, you can imagine the kind of mischievousness that can go on um, by people not affiliated with the party deliberately trying to undermine the party's nominee or put weak candidates in place so that they go on and lose in the general election. And this is why this is such an important constitutional issue, why the Supreme Court has said you can't do that and um, uh, and, and why we brought the lawsuit. Well, John Eastman, um, this as this is playing out. This was my concern last fall when all this was occurring regarding the uh, open, closed primary. And, and closed primaries are just good common sense, my friends. But I was concerned, even though there was this unanimous uh, vote to bring forth this lawsuit, I was concerned, actually, more on the other side from the funding standpoint, that it would be optics that, yes, um, the Colorado GOP is, is supporting uh, this lawsuit, but yet maybe starve of it from a money standpoint. But it sounds like from this ruling, uh, also having uh, this party chair uh, be a part of this lawsuit would have been a really good idea right off the right off the bat on that. What's your final thought well, on this particular second, issue? Go ahead. A, a second resolution that was adopted at, at the September uh, meeting of the State Central Committee, which passed uh, almost unanimously, there was one abstention, uh, also authorized the, the party uh, to, to create a fund to support this lawsuit. And that hasn't been implemented either. 
So you've got two near unanimous or unanimous resolutions of the governing body of the state political party that have been ignored um, by the party leadership. Um, and on, on a, a key constitutional question, uh, that is the right of the party to vindicate that right. And when the party won't do it itself, the party leadership, I should say, that's the, the very ground for the party's membership with the authority of the governing board to bring a derivative action, naming the party leaders for not taking the action that they have been uh, not only authorized, but um, by resolution directed to do. Oh, my gosh. This is absolutely remarkable, uh, John Eastman, where we are with this, because, as you said, that this invites all kinds of um, potential mischievousness uh, in these particular primaries. But let's go to break. When we come back, uh, there was the leak uh, regarding the potential Roe v. Wade uh, decision by this particular Supreme Court, possibly overturning it. And I'd love to get your read on that. So let's go to break. We'll be right back with John. Eastman. Medical freedom and personal choice are both sacred to comprehensive, patient-first health care. At Roots Medical, our providers honor those rights diligently in every appointment. Located in Denver Tech Center, Roots Medical is a functional primary care clinic with specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Establishing care with us is just a text message away, 303-569-6794. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure to check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, so thrilled to have on the line with me John Eastman. Uh, he is a senior fellow with the Claremont Institute. And also with the Claremont Institute, he's the director of the public interest law firm at the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence. Uh, John Eastman, it's always... I always learn so much when I have a conversation with you. Um, want to talk about the leak uh, regarding the potential Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And as I was watching the, the pundits the other night and commentaries, uh, it sounds like it's, I know we have leaks in Washington, D.C., but leaks regarding Supreme Court decisions like this is um, doesn't happen very often. And so what do you think about Never. this, John Eastman? It, it, it never happens. Uh, this is this is extraordinary, uh, and and you know appears clearly designed 
to bring mob violent pressure on justices to switch their vote before the final decision is out. Uh, it is it is an undermining of the rule of law and a and a 200 year long custom at the Supreme Court. There was a leak some years ago um, where a report you know there's a cafeteria in the basement of the Supreme Court and the justices and the law clerks eat there, but it's also open to the public. And some clerks were talking about a, a draft opinion, and a reporter picked up on it, and that got that leak got reported. Um, and subsequent to that, they created a walled-off, uh, more soundproof part of the dining area for clerks uh, to have lunch without their conversations being overheard. That's how serious the court takes this. Um, uh, now, I'm sure, you know, that whoever did this, the speculation out is already that it's a clerk in Justice Sotomayor's chambers. Don't have any idea whether that speculation is true or not. But if it is true, that person ought to not only lose their position as a clerk at the Supreme Court, but ought to be disbarred. This was an attorney-client privilege matter of the highest consequence. Um, but I fear that our agenda-driven um, double standards on the rules will, you know, this person will be lionized and celebrated as a hero uh, on the left and, you know, do a book tour and all sorts of things at large, with large financial um, remuneration. Uh, but it ought not to happen if we were going to apply faithfully the law and, and the standards, the ethical standards and requirements of attorneys. Uh, now, on the substance, if this, in fact, is the opinion of the court, as it appears to be, uh, although the justices um, have not issued it yet, votes still change uh uh, you know, at the court all the way up until an opinion is released. Um, so it could change. But if it remains, if it is, in fact, on authentic draft, and if it uh, remains as the majority opinion, um, it's very consequential. It is ending 50 years of judicial activism that has infected every aspect of our politics. Um, and it is not outlawing abortion across the country. It is returning the matter uh, to the uh, several states where each individual state will then determine on its own uh, this hotly contested political question. Um, uh, I happen to think that, you know, the right to life is fundamental and protected in the Declaration of Independence, and we ought to have given that even more weight. But at least this uh, removing Roe versus Wade impediment of the political process and the sovereign people deciding this fundamental question for themselves is an extremely important first step. And in my view, 50 years overdue. And how is this ending judicial activism? And uh, I didn't understand it for many years, what was happening. The left had actually decided what they couldn't get done uh, through the legislative branch or the executive branch. They they actually been working to place um Judges that looked at the Constitution as a living document, uh, something that could be changing instead of something that was uh, constant. And so how will this particular decision end that judicial activism? Because many of those judges are still on the court. Well, uh, it, it demonstrates as a, if, if this decision holds, if there's a majority of the court unwilling to make up new rights that are not in the text of the Constitution or not longstanding in logic and history and traditions. Um, and Justice Alito's draft opinion, if it in fact is Justice Alito's draft opinion, uh, goes to great measure just pointing out 
all of the ways that that the logic of the original Roe versus Wade decision, its history, uh, and its law were all just fundamentally flawed. I mean, heaven's sakes, the court then and since has not even been able to identify which clause in the Constitution required this outcome. Um, it may be the Ninth Amendment, it may be the Fourteenth, it may be the uh, emanations and penumbras from the First and the Fourth. Uh, you know, it's 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 a rather bizarre opinion as a legal matter, and scholars on both sides of the aisle, whether they favored abortion or opposed it, have recognized this this utterly lawless aspect of the original Roe versus Wade decision. Um, and I think uh, Justice Alito's draft opinion, again, if it is his draft opinion, as as it appears to be, um, just dismantles. Um, uh, you know, the, the uh, egregious flaws in the original opinion. How did, uh, what was it, looking back at history, 1973, how was it that Roe v. Wade, uh, that decision was made? Well, you got to go back in a decade before that. Um, the stories of backroom abortions, um, this is where we get the coat hanger uh, meme that uh, that exists by the pro-abortion side of this dispute. Um, those stories, uh, were, you know, generally hit the heartstrings of the American people, uh, and the first reaction was to liberalize abortion laws uh, in response to these stories of backroom abortions and um, uh, you know t- tremendous unsafe conditions for for pregnant women who were facing an unwanted pregnancy. Um, but but like in many political things, that pendulum swung too far initially, and people were coming back around saying, well, wait a minute, we've got another issue here as well, uh, and that is the life of an unborn child. Uh, and even in the 1960s, before ultrasound technology, there was nobody that disputed that the, uh, the the child in a mother's womb was was a child of, of, of an infant human being, um, and uh, and so the pendulum started swinging back the other direction in that political debate. Uh, we we need to we need to take steps to ensure the safety of mothers, but also to protect um, the most innocent of human life, uh, life in the womb. And that political conversation was going, and where that pendulum would have stopped, we don't know. But in the middle of that. Political debate by the sovereign American people occurring in every state in the country and uh, likely to have produced different results in every state. Um, the Supreme Court stepped in and put, basically put a stop to our political deliberations as a people and said, We've decided for you uh, how this ought to be uh, addressed. And even 25 years later, in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision, the Supreme Court took the extraordinary position, the astounding position that once we have spoken as if it, you know we're oracles from on high you all are to be called to quit your 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 debate over this uh, and this is the essence of american democracy <laughs> it was, it was mm-hmm. about as far as the essence of american democracy as we can get the, the unelected judges stepping in to resolve an intense political controversy for us um, uh, when the Supreme Court did that uh, with trying to resolve the slave controversy with this infamous Dred Scott decision, not only did it not put the issue to rest, but it provoked the Civil War. And we've had a um, civil cold war uh, uh, in our American polity ever since that decision uh, for, for almost just almost 50 years now. 
I mean, you can't run for dog catcher without people asking what your view on, on Roe versus Wade is. Um, and at, I suppose, on the one hand, that's as it should be, because this is an intensely important issue. It defines, in many ways, it defines a regime. It defines what we think is important. Are we really dedicated to protecting the inalienable right to life, uh, as our Declaration of Independence so eloquently sets out, or are we just going to, you know, make this, a, 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 you know, up, up to each individual to decide that other people's lives aren't worth protecting? It, it, it parallels the slavery controversy, where the Southern slave owners eventually adopted the position that they got to decide whether other human beings were property or humans. Um, and other human beings don't get to decide that question. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm of the view that even society as a whole ought not to decide it, but having society the ability to decide it, rather than unelected judges, uh, you know, is the very definition of Republican government, consent of the government. And so I, it's extremely important. It's infected our politics. It will continue to affect our, infect our politics even after Roe versus Wade is overturned um, because uh, the politics has become so virulent. Um, but one hopes that uh, that people start to see the importance of it. By the way, the American people, particularly young folks that grow up with pictures of ultrasounds and their little baby brother on the refrigerators, understand that we're talking about another human being here, and you don't get to just snatch that human being's life away because it's inconvenient. Uh, and and that that has now become the majority opinion in this country, and I think that the margin of that size, the size of that opinion will continue to increase its margin uh, as the political debate now kicks into full high gear, if in fact Roe versus Wade is overturned. Okay, well, it's it's absolutely fascinating what is happening regarding this issue, and certainly there are those that are just one issue that is, um, you know, abortion is so important. But I, I'm encouraged because I have uh, talked to some young people that that used to be a, a very important issue, and they actually are, as you mentioned, they're moving towards uh, pro-life. And so I find something very exciting happening in our country, and it's a step in the right direction for sure to to uh, overturn this and put the decision back with the states and with the people. And there is where we need to continue to have robust debate in this battle of ideas that we're engaged in, John Eastman. What's your final thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Well, you know, this is extremely important. Um, You know, we've come around ever since Roe versus Wade to thinking that the Supreme Court has final say on everything. And what that means is... um, we, we, had, we had consigned our sovereign authority to an unelected body of, of essentially oligarchs, elite, elite oligarchs. That's not what the nature of our Declaration of Independence sets out to the role of government. It's based on equality, that every human being is equal, and therefore that consent of the government is required for legitimate government. And you don't get that when unelected people are making fundamental decisions. Um, so, you know, returning the ability to the ability of the American people to make the fundamental decisions for themselves, for, uh, you know, collectively as a society, I think is an extremely important step in the right direction and long overdue. Um, and uh, let's just hope that, one, this is an authentic opinion, and two, that the purpose of the leaker to try and bring mob um, violence against the justices. Um, will not succeed and that the rule of law will be upheld. 
Well, it is an exciting time in our country right now, John Eastman. I so appreciate uh, the conversation, and we'll talk with you again very soon. Thank you very much, Kim. Take care. You bet. We'll be right back, and be sure and uh, give us a call, 303-477-5600. I want to hear what's on your radar. Stay tuned. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly news- newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, and give us a call, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. I want to hear what's on your radar. And we have Mark in Greeley on the line. Mark, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I wanted to talk about what you um, discussed at the very beginning uh, this morning about okay. the um, Douglas um, Dallas Schroeder Elbert County clerk in the in the hard drives. Right. Um, what I was wondering is, um, seems to me these hard drives are are evidence, and can't they can't they be impounded as evidence? Um, do we have to have a lawsuit in place first? I just don't know why. Um, Dallas would need just to, to hand them over to to Jenna Griswold. Okay, when you say impounded, uh, I mean, I see danger of handing these over to Jenna Griswold without knowing what's inside them. But I, 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 I see where you're headed with impound. So if it was impounded, that would be different than possibly handing them over to Jenna Griswold, so uh, so you're saying it would be impounded as evidence of a court case, and I'm obviously not an attorney, but is that is that where you're headed, Mark? Yeah, that's where I was headed. I mean, it seems to me if they were impounded as evidence, they would be protected from um, you know from all sides, and so that a, that a you know an unbiased inquiry could be made as to you know what was on those hard drives. Um, as it is now, it seems like, you know, she's just confiscating them and, and then the truth may not get out. 
I think that's a really good point, and that's what I'm concerned about. Now, my understanding, Mark, and this is just hearsay, that we have not had a district attorney that has been willing to take the information from the Mesa Mesa Voting Reporting Systems reports, nor uh, obviously something here with Dallas Schroeder. We've not had a DA that's been willing to actually take a look at these cases, and I have to ask why. Uh, why that's not occurred yet here in Colorado, because it seems like it seems like there's some kind of there there. But I my understanding is we've got to have um, a district attorney that's going to uh, want to investigate this. And that just doesn't seem like it's happened yet. And I just can't figure out why, Mark. Right. Very suspicious. It is suspicious. So, Mark, (laughs) thank you so much. Anything else on your radar today? Um, well, I've concluded that we've got some issues with it within the Colorado uh, Republican Party. Um, I know I, I witnessed some um, shenanigans at the El Paso County level, um, but it sounds like we also have issues um, at the top of the Colorado Republican Party. Well, I so I'm just really yeah. Absolutely. Mark, um, Mark, thank you so much for the call. And again, we could probably take a couple calls, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. And yes, I have got to question why the GOP state chair of the Republican Party did not get on this lawsuit immediately when we were talking with uh, Professor John Eastman about that regarding uh, having Republicans vote in Republican primaries and Democrats vote in Democrat primaries because it does look like that there could be some uh, shenanigans, if you will, uh, regarding uh, the upcoming elections. And so that's just a big question. I can't quite figure out what's going on there. But uh, what I should probably do is reach out to the Colorado GOP chair and invite her on the show to talk about that. So I'm going to put that on my list of things to do. Producer Steve, don't let me forget that because... um, I think that that's something that I should do. Well, you know, I've certainly been vocal about it, not so much on the air, that it, it that would be an incredibly good thing to do. And, and not that you're trying to drag anything out, but there's some ambiguities here, and there's just too much at stake. We need to clarify. We need to clear the air. Absolutely. So I will do that. That's on my list of things to do. We're pretty jammed up next week on the show, but we'll figure something out. And I, that's... To Mark's point and what we had talked about before, and I need to maybe just go back and educate myself, was there a scheduled software update on the voting machines somewhere in the, you know, the series of events? Okay, I'm not quite sure I understand your question. There was the trusted build that that occurred last spring, and that was where... Uh, staff from the Secretary of State's office and and employees of the uh, voting machine company uh, were actually doing updates on the machines in, yeah. under the guise of getting them ready for the next election. And that's where the whole thing with Tina Peters started is uh, she had people had come to her, some of her constituents, and said, gosh, the, the results of the 2020 election just don't seem like they reflect our community. 
And Tina said at that point, she explained that, oh, we're the, the gold standard and we have these risk limiting audits and all of these different things that she had been told um, from the Secretary of State's office and as well as the uh, Association of, of County Clerks, uh, Colorado County Clerks. And then um, there was the April 6th, 2021 election for Grand Junction. And the results looked interesting because apparently a Democrat who had just moved into the community won an election against someone that's been in the community with lots of name recognition for quite some time. And so that started to make Tina kind of question what was going on. Then she gets gets the information that there's going to be this trusted build. And she asked, I'm not sure if it was the Dominion employee or a, a Colorado or a Secretary of State uh, employee, but who it was exactly. But she asked, would this possibly um, um, get rid of some of the, the records? And the answer was yes. And then it was at that point that she realized that she needed her job, her duty was to make sure that she had um, a backup. And my gosh, Steve, it only makes sense to have backups. We want to back up our own personal computers, you know, financial institutions. We want them to back information up um, across the spectrum. And so it only makes sense to back that up. And that's what she did. And Mesa reports show that 29,000 of the log files were uh, either erased or they were overwritten. And that seems like that's a big problem. And I really wish there would be a DA that would take a look at this so that we can get to the bottom of this, so that we can get to the truth on this, Steve. Unless somebody has already signaled to that potential DA, don't do it. Boy, you hate to go there. Well, you hate to, but you almost have to. Boy. Well, we will. <laughs> oh, you hate to hate to do that. So let's call on a brave DA to actually try to get to the bottom of this, because if we don't have free, fair, and honest elections, Steve, we no longer have the United States of America. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. The timeline that you know the the series of events that timeline seems to be the key to it all, in my mind. When you say, "Oh, well, we need to prepare for the next election," and you're going to go in and start manipulating this the internals of this machine also Which, and what you're you know, go ahead yeah well what you're referring to is our interview last week with dr walter doherty regarding the mesa report number three where they actually looked inside the machine and it looked like there was some real funny stuff going on so go ahead steve i wanted to clarify that well that, I, I guess my point has been made uh, if you you know follow the you know Following a trail of breadcrumbs is still a sequential process, and go to each one of these steps ever since you know, that date in November of 2020 when the election results were gathered and put out, and now somewhere down after that you're saying, oh, well, we need to prep the machines for the next election, which was when? In 2021? Right. All right. Uh, to me there's going to be something there that's going to make it rather obvious what was happening. Right. And if there's no there there, then we should have total transparency on what's happened here. So this is very suspicious. This Colorado Secretary of State race is so important. And, of course, Tina Peters, Mesa County Clerk and Recorder, is uh, throwing her hat in the ring. We did talk to Mike O'Donnell yesterday, who's also on the ballot, and then Pam Anderson, 
these are all Republicans. Pam Anderson, though, we're going to have Dinesh D'Souza on this week as well to talk about um, this uh, organization, the Center for Tech and Civic Life. So it's going to be super interesting. But our quote for the end of the day is becoming more and more appropriate minute by minute. It's by Albert Einstein. He said, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, if honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.